you know, it, that that's kind of what the field comes out as. It's like, this is just a great rush right now. And like, I'm totally free and I can do anything I want. And I can just throw all the power I want now. I'm not limited and I can do all these techniques and I've got this platform and I can get to express myself. And you just feel completely like it's real artistic expression if you want to go deep. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatter, a podcast from The Gist, with me, Josh Hamilton. Andy Young, a former flyweight world champion and one of the owners of Hybrid MMA, was my guest on today's show. Having been pestered by several friends to try MMA over the last year or two, I was keen to meet someone involved in the sport at a high level, and Andy was nice enough to agree to talk to me about it. We had a great chat about his experience fighting around the world, why MMA is more than about mindless violence and the mental health benefits and the warrior mentality. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. So here's Andy Young. So, Andy... It's uh, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you in your beautiful gym. It's only the second in-person interview I've got to do this year, so, so it's a pleasure. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's a pleasure to be on it, like, so thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So we're here to talk about, about MMA. Uh, it's something that quite a few of my friends have been spending quite a lot of time training and, and watching and really just getting into the sport a lot. Like, wh- where did you first come across it when, when you were younger? Um, well... I always did martial arts like I was five, six years old and began a like traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu, kind of followed my brother's footsteps. You know, he he uh, was into it and he'd come back and he'd be wearing his uniform and his belt and, you know, all buzzing about it. And uh, I just couldn't wait until I turned five until I could go. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, we grew up watching Ninja Turtles, you know, uh, Power Rangers, all that stuff. So I just always had an inclination to do some sort of martial arts of some sort so we, we we got involved um i did that my whole childhood and then started doing a bit more kind of kickboxing uh you know bits of like brazilian jiu-jitsu and that and it was i think i was maybe 16 and what were we watching cradle to the grave uh jet lee and it's a it's a really funny look back dmx and jet lee and uh in the in the show there was a part where Jet Li kind of gets in the cage with like Tito Ortiz and uh I was like what's going on I was like Jet Li would just would beat this guy like my brother's like no like he's he fights in the UFC and I was like what's that and he was kind of explaining he's a badass and like you know he's he's like he knows all the martial arts and I was like what and I was uh, really perplexed by it but soon after I got interested and uh curious and then we we got UFC 42 I think it was and it was Tito versus Ken Shamrock and the whole build up to it, the whole buzz about it, and I just got really pulled into it. And uh, that was really the first time I had ever seen MMA or watched it. And since then, I was just hooked. And uh, yeah, that was that was a, a kind of a starting point of me being introduced to the sport. Uh, there was no clubs around at the time. I wasn't driving. I was seventeen, um, and kind of just again just waited until there was something as close to MMA as possible. And um, I ended up doing a sport called sports jiu-jitsu, which was kind of like, at the time, it was like MMA, but point-based. Like, um, so like a punchy lands, like three points, it kicks five, takedowns, like 10. Submission wins the round, not the fight. So a semi-contact. You'd be surprised how many people get knocked out, though, at a semi-contact competition. It's a good way to, you know, say, oh, you know, I lost, but I knocked the guy out, you know. So people will actually try and do that if they know they're losing as a way out for their ego. So you would find that a lot of semi-contact competitions, but that was the closest thing to MMA. Um, and I actually got onto a team representing um, Ireland. So we went to Jersey uh, in 2007 and then Las Vegas in 2010. And we won in 2010. So it became the first world champion since England had, had had that title for years and years. And then we, we got it off them in, in 2010. 
Um, but even when I was there, again, I was such a fan of MMA, but there was no MMA to train in. That was the closest thing I could do. And when we were out there, obviously, capital of MMA at the time. So I went to go and see Extreme Couture. Um, I went to go and see Vanderlei Silva's gym. And I was just, I mean, I was just like a kid in the candy shop when I was out there. Uh, and getting back, then I was able to to find, um, well, the guys from the team really kind of started to create their own club. And uh, that's really the first MMA training I started to do. Because back then, 2010, it would have been still quite like a niche sport. Mm-hmm. Would you yeah. would say this fair? fair yeah, like, again, that was the days where it was, you know, well publicized in America and stuff, and that was fine. It, here, however, like people still thought it was, you know, human cockfighting for the most part. Your average person didn't know what MMA was. When you told them, it's like, oh, I do mixed martial arts. They would, you know, be perplexed by what you're talking about, and you'd have to say cage fighting, and then you would just get this odd look. And that was just the way it was. Um, there was no Conor McGregor. There was no, there was no possibility at the time for someone from Ireland getting into UFC. It wasn't seen as possible. Um, and that's what I was fighting against. I was started to compete when I was like nineteen, twenty, and when I turned professional, twenty one, because I just knew this is this is it. This is what I want to do. I went, I went to uni, did my psychology, but even when I was doing that, I just I knew I wanted to do MMA. And almost like it was a reason to get a degree to show that I can get one. Like almost that I'm not fighting because I've got no other options. I'm choosing to do this. So I think that was in the back of my head. Um, But yeah, for sure, there was no, like, didn't look like it was possible from here to get into the UFC. And uh, yeah, I competed, you know, I fought up in Londonderry, Derry, uh, and same card as McGregor. And that was... I think I must have been 20, 2011 maybe and yeah like he he won by knockout in a minute and everyone was starting to take notice of him and I fought his teammate the same night and uh it was a, then a few years later he became you know the big you know big name and stuff but it was just that was the grassroots of it and everyone fought you know everyone knew everyone in the, in the sport in this country you know well he's still he's now such a huge name that is difficult to even imagine what it must have been like nine years ago basically no one had ever heard of him yeah it's it's he's he's had such an impact upon like he's really the person that i don't know i think really brought it mainstream you know i mean my teammate norman norman park he was he got into the the ultimate fighter and won it and there's no publicity like the no one in northern ireland or any you know uh bbc no one really covered it no one really knew about it and you know, he got a contract with the UFC and it was still a case of, you know, no publicity for someone achieving this incredible feat. And uh, he went and fought in the UFC. Very few people even knew he existed. And then um, Dan McGregor came on the scene, but he just put out so much into the business side of the sport, entertainment business, and that's what people forget it is. And he just played it to the T with the personality and everything he did. He got a sport noticed, give, you know, a lot of people like a real hero down, down in Dublin and down in the South and uh and got it noticed so that's where whether you like him or not he especially for this country he got it noticed he got it on the map so that's where you know you know respects due for that you know no i couldn't agree more there was a moment i realized just how huge he'd become when i was i was living in canada and i was interviewing these two middle-aged women about this like community center they were starting up for people to take like yoga classes and, yeah. and and like teach painting and photography and stuff like that and one of them was like you're from ireland oh my god that's like conor mcgregor oh, and yeah. i was like yeah. wow like this yeah, like suburban right. middle-aged yeah. mom knows yeah. who this guy is yeah <laughs> well that, that's it and what struck me was i fought in i went out to kazakhstan and fought there and uh straight away again i'm sitting in a car um and the guys are like oh oh mcgregor mcgregor and i was like right, okay you know so uh i mean that was for as far as you know i'm probably the first guy i think from from here to, to go out and fight in kazakhstan and uh like i said again anywhere i was going ukraine kazakhstan like slovakia all these my countries and again it was all mcgregor mcgregor and it, it's just worldwide and it's insane that what what he's been able to do so you can't help but respect that, you know. Mm. Well, enough about about Conor McGregor. I wanted to, to talk to you, not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that he wouldn't be, I'm sure, interesting. <laughs> um, 
So when did you then, so in 2010, you were doing some team competitions. Yeah. And then so it, I mean, when did you, yeah, trans- yeah. transition to doing your so, own fights? So pretty, yeah, pretty much like I said, the only uh, thing that came close to mixed martial arts here from, for a possibility for me to train them was that sports jiu-jitsu. And um, there was maybe only one or two clubs that I knew of, but one of them being Rodney Moores, my main coach up in Balmina. But for me with no car, to travel up to Balmina from the Nards was was like an hour. Um, it wasn't really practical. And the the guys from the sports jiu-jitsu team, um, a lot of them and other teammates and training partners I had uh, in Thai jitsu that I trained in, uh, came together and built their own club in Belfast. And we basically just figured it out ourselves. And uh, it was like a real, I mean, looking back on it now, it was just, it was funny. I mean, there was no ring, so we got into a circle <laughs> and that was it. Uh, real, you know, proper brawling, uh, you know, you got pushed back into the circle again. It was just that real tough mentality. And, you know, I'm grateful for that because although it may not have been the best in my body, it was mentally, it tested you and made sure you knew you were a fighter. There was no snowflakes. There was no nicey niceness. There was no frigging um, worry about injury risk or anything like that. It was just, <laughs> if you're tough, you stay on, that's it. And uh, and that's what really got us going. And, and, and it was great, you know, and uh, some great stories from the place, you know. Yeah, I'm sure that would be definitely good fun. <laughs> There's, you know, but people people kind of have have something against like really really basic types of training. Sometimes yeah. I think, especially in I don't know, the modern world where you can have like ten different machines analyzing your every movement and like having scientists yeah. analyze every single like this is the exact angle mm-hmm. of approach that you need to have with with something yeah you know, there's something to be said about just basic just raw mm-hmm. primal like dog fighting like kind of just that real like that kind of fight if you know what i mean and like you need that and again that's you'll see that come out in some people and you'll see those people that are kind of almost snowflake to be oh it's all the best stuff and you know walk around with two or three personal trainers in the gym and they've got all their fancy equipment and stuff, but they don't have that raw dog in them and that you need that real fight when things get tough. Um, and anything, you, you need to be able to bring that out and it's just about the comfort zone at the end of the day. And uh, I mean, I was shit scared every time I was in some time sparring, but again, weight classes weren't a thing. <laughs> um, I was fighting really? at, Yeah, I was fighting at McGregor's weight um, and I fought, the highest I fought, I fought at 68 kilos weighed in at 65 a lot of that was just carrying around i was at university at the time and just the diet was not good <laughs> and uh yeah i mean um there was no such thing as really weight cuts for me and again ego especially to being that young oh i don't need a weight cut i'm i'm good enough i'll fight anyone you know all this stuff and you realize now how stupid that was <laughs> yeah i mean so you were you were lightweight Bama lightweight so, champion and uh, so, WWFC. Yeah, so I, I fought. Um, I started my career at, at featherweight, moved down to bantam, and then ended up at flyweight. Okay. Flyweight. So uh, fifty six point five kilos. So I'm I'm not the biggest flyweight out there to be honest. I'm, I'm walking around about sixty two kilos. So the cut's fine. I feel great from it now. Now that I know how to do it, of course. Um, and yeah, I got the. Uh, I mean, the story for the for the titles was was quite interesting. I mean, I just went on this tear. I just got this crazy like, you know, drive in me and and real belief that it was possible. And I think that probably coincided with Norman getting the UFC, McGregor kind of on the scene. A lot more belief it's possible. And then all of a sudden, I won. I won an Irish title. I defended it. I won a British title. Then another one. Then another one. Then got a world title shot. Uh, that was in Dublin against Rani Sade, this German, and he was, you know, almost untouchable, loads of hype behind him. Oh, Andy Young's going to lose, he's going to get destroyed, there's going to be no challenge for him at all. And took him three rounds. Everyone thought I won. Like, I thought I won. It was just one of those close fights. Unfortunately, it was only three rounds. It should have been five as a world title, but Bama didn't want those for some reason. Um, and oh, it, was such, it was such a good night, and I had such fun during the fight. And it was gutting not to get the win that night, but I knew that it would lead to something. And sure enough, a month later, there was an opportunity to get a call up to go to Ukraine and fight for a world title out there uh, against an undefeated local. Um, took him out in the second round, got the title, and that again, momentum, and, and just gave me so much drive and even more encouragement. And then 
Ronnie vacated the title, went on the run, didn't want to fight me again. <laughs> and uh, that's what I say anyway. And uh, and then fought for the, the Bama World title then in February in, in the hometown Belfast. So that must have been special. Yeah, it was it was great. You know, it was it was the most incredible night. Um but I think just that the momentum, because like I said, that was that was three British title fights back to back, then a world title, then another one, then another one. So I was like eight title fights in a row, winning arguably all of them, bar the, the Rani one, but subjective. But uh, you know, so that that got such like such confidence and, and momentum in me, and I brought that into the fight, and everything just aligned. I mean, that was the best performance. Everything led, you know, led me to that moment, and I just, you know, happy to say, captured it and. You know, got the finish as well against again another undefeated guy, knocking out people cold. Everyone was worried about me, didn't want to say to me, but they were <laughs> terrified. Um, and uh, yeah, to get the one stand up and see the crowd in front of me was just, you know, it's un- it's indescribable. You know, it's it's just the best feeling in the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the best, most memorable nights of my life. Mm. Now you see, I can understand when when you're saying about about times when okay you've been told by by people that they're worried that you know everyone's mm. saying oh you know maybe he's not gonna maybe he's gonna get his ass handed to him yeah and then you come out and you you can say no you you, you win yeah. and you say right okay that's been, that like i proved you all wrong like but yeah. the haters like that's that's gotta be feel amazing and i can get that yeah. the thing that confuses me right not always but sometimes i'm like what how can these people be having fun <laughs> and i'm not the only person like definitely yes, with that yeah, view yeah, of yeah. like who's ever watched uh ufc like there was a fight i cannot remember who it was it was dustin poirier and oh was it gagey poirier oh um and it was just a complete dan, dan hooker was it uh poirier and when well, was it recent yeah mm. I, I will i'll ask sam yes. and i'll put the the link in the description mm-hmm. so if anyone's curious <laughs> as to which fight we're talking about but it was just a war mm. and the two guys just both of them just beaming at the <laughs> end like the, the blood bloody yeah. faces and and they they they, they, they did they clearly yeah. had the yeah. best time in the world but it doesn't matter who's yeah, won yeah like like <laughs> i can i can kind of there's a couple of things that can help maybe explain it um when you're a kid did you ever you got brothers and sisters and stuff did you ever play fight yeah, yeah yeah and you had fun i had fun yeah my so little brother didn't that, so much but. yeah well it's not it's that basic that's why i describe people it's like you're play fighting like you're having fun and i know that it's that feeling you get when you're just having this this tussle and it's like really good crack and you're throwing people about and that's kind of the same kind type of feel that you get when you're having a spar and then it becomes a fight but now you've got that that feeling i know there's more at risk now because you can get actually hurt but then that brings adrenaline and now it's like an adrenaline rush. So now you're like an adrenaline junkie. So you're like jumping out of a plane and you've got this adrenaline hitting you while you're having that feel of being in like this play fight type of thing. So the two combine and like that's that's where it's like, fuck, this is fun. And, uh, you know, it, that that's kind of what the feel comes out as. It's like, this is just a great rush right now. And like, I'm totally free and I can do anything I want. And I can just throw all the power I want now. I'm not limited and I can do all these techniques and I've got this, platform and i can get to express myself and you just feel completely like it's real artistic expression if you want to go deep like but you know nothing else matters it's just you and them and it's real mind you know there's a real sense of like still like still kind of mindfulness there you're just like in the moment and you just it's an amazing feeling yeah mm. so it, it just it depends how it's, you know you, you describe it and then people will always put themselves in the shoes of a fighter so if someone's not ever been hit before they imagine uh, use your imagination and go that looks sore i would imagine that would be sore and painful and so how can someone do that but once you realize you're not made of glass and when you do get hit you realize that's nothing factor in that there's a lot of adrenaline running at the night your body is actually conditioned to the shots um you see guys have five round fights and they come out without really any marks on them and uh yeah it's just there's a lot of processes that are involved for an average person has never been punched before like they're going to feel that but if you're used to it and that's your sport and you're at the highest level of it then it's a totally different game so it's hard to compare someone who has never done any exercise sport anything to then a professional athlete that you're watching Mm. so 
is do you find that there's like a type of person or a type of build or a type of mentality that tends to do well in in MMA, especially of people who are maybe coming in as as pure beginners? Is there is the can you predict when people come in or after maybe yeah, yeah. Like getting a feel for them? Like, are they going to take to it or not? Or you know, do some people surprise you? Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely get people to surprise you. I mean, it's it's very clear who's going to do well. Uh, when you get guys walking in and you can tell straight away there's the ego on their shoulders and they think they're great and they're not they're not like they don't open up to listening so it's like listen um this hand's dropping a little bit if you keep it up it'll keep you a bit safer and they're like no no no, i know what i'm doing type of thing they won't take that on board so they're not moldable you can't help them as much because they're not open to listening because their ego's blocking that Whereas other people come in and they're like, I love this sport. I really want to learn. I, I'm having so much fun. And like, I'll listen to anything. And like, you show them something and they're like, oh, well, that's great. Why do we do this? Or could I do this? Or there's so many questions. So the more people that are asking questions, you can tell if you're asking questions because you want to know, you want to learn. And as human beings, like we're built just to learn and we can develop any skill that any other humans got. Mm. So it's a skill and it's, it's something that we can build. And uh, it's the ones that are the most passionate is the best indicator. Um, I can go quite scientific. Well, yeah, because I want to talk about this as well is like intrinsic and um, like kind of extrinsic motivation. And it's the ones that are intrinsic. Um, loads of studies show that intrinsic, intrinsic motivation is the biggest predictor for success. Intrinsic being your, yeah. So intrinsic will be your uh, internal kind of reasons for doing it. Um, you're doing it for the joy and love of, of doing it. And uh the process basically basically enjoying the process of doing it and it's his own reward um extrinsic gold medal i am only doing it for a gold medal if the gold medal's not there i wouldn't do it and that's the problem that we face now is someone comes in and they just want they don't all they want to do is have a fight and get a win and that's it and walk away or they just want a picture outside you know a cage with their gloves on and like a suit on and like they're doing it for the wrong reasons they're just doing it for that external like gratification and people saying yes here you go it's you're doing very well and, and there's a gold medal around your neck that's not going to go too far and when you're in the shit and getting a really hard workout and you're getting beasted if all your your motivation is is just to get a gold medal at the end and that's it that's going to falter and that's going to fall on you so to have that intrinsic i love the process i love getting pushed down and i'm struggling to get back up and i need, I, I love because i that's going to get me as a better person and like build me as a character and build me as a person and like that's more of a, the process that you can enjoy and that uh, leads to more success so you find that people would who would deal well with with adversity and and struggle and who would be yeah, quite maybe strong-minded yeah. would, would be would take better to yeah, the but, physical punishment yeah, or no no i don't mean any of that it's just like in terms of uh if it's tough if you see someone struggling in a workout they're like it's as hard i'm going to stop or is this hard, but I'm going to grip my teeth and just push and finish this set. That, you know, you don't need to be doing the same amount of sets or same amount of weight or same amount of exercise as someone else. It's just how you respond to when it gets difficult. And that doesn't need to be someone who's just born an athlete. There's a lot of guys I coach that are like um, in just one-on-one -on -one sessions. And like, there's a guy I'm training and he's just started and he is so into it. And uh, he shows so much more motivation and enthusiasm and um, just love and passion for it. And he's not... A super athlete he's only started but like he he's got such great predictors of like success at it and there's guys that claim that they want to be the next like you know ufc champion but when things get tough you see that they're looking for excuses and looking to get out and it's just a mindset that physically they're maybe more capable and they've got the strength the speed the fitness but when things get tough and they're getting maybe uh outstruck on the feet or something happens they'll look for a way out because they can't handle it their ego can't handle it and they're not willing to put that to the side and, you know, be open-minded and and uh, take it on the chin and learn. Do you have like mental toughness training as part of as part of the the program? Like this legit question. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna go. Yeah, I'm not just gonna get them to stand out and like hit them with sticks and just toughen them up and uh, mental training and stuff. There's a lot. I mean, a lot of visualization stuff that we you know you can do with people. But again, it's the mindset stuff of like when getting the right workouts in. I mean, everyone's different fitness levels, but if you do, you know, three rounds and you're you're exhausted, you can see how the person copes in the fourth round. If someone else is fitter and comes along, they'll smash out four rounds and they're okay. They're they're fine. 
but then you do another one and another one and another one until they're at the same level of exhaustion and then you see how they respond uh dan gable um one of the best wrestlers that existed he he was coaching um one time and he basically told all the guys this is the last round guys everything you have for these two minutes everything two minutes elapsed and they're like okay another round guys let's go it's the last round and he did this over and over and over again and people were going crazy throwing their hands on there storming off and that was to see who was still there and that's the mindset and there's a lot of examples of people that do that that same thing uh like the sas for example i was reading bear grill's book they climbed over mountains for days and days got to the end you know they had the the wagon to pick them up and they're like oh thank god we got it and uh the guy said no this is the worst you know performance we've ever seen turn around go back to the start of course people break down crying all the rest of it bear girl said look i'm gonna start i'm gonna start strong he climbed to the top of the first mountain the guy was there to take his name said well done go back they just want to see how you will respond and that's not that's what i'm saying so physically that doesn't matter it's it's where the mind's at you know mm-hmm. that's that just reminds me of that um that scene in the dark night where the joker is telling one of the cops that he knows his friends better than he does because he saw them right at the end and that's oh, when you shit. see the real person is oh. just before they die yeah so maybe yes. ju- you see the real mental toughness yes. just before people are physically exhausted <laughs> yes yes and a lot of movie references here but if you, if you take one <laughs> you take one out of the matrix actually i think a second one um like i love my movies like but uh basically in it uh, who is it it's your guy in the white kind of gay um kind of asian guy with sunglasses yeah i know the one you mean <laughs> yes he uh, says the, yeah. yeah he says basically you don't really know someone until you fight them uh yeah it's 100 percent. so when you spar someone or you roll with them or you do wrestling with them like you'll know exactly what they're made of you know um if they've got an ego and they're trying to prove something on you if uh they could have like hurt you or submitted you but they didn't and they held back and what level they go on you and uh if they get tired you can see if they're going to push through that or if they're going to quit there's a lot of guys that will you know will say oh, nice and easy do a light round and then they just swing for you they try and catch you off guard and uh knock you out only to apologize and say oh sorry about that and so you'll get a lot of different personalities come in and you can really learn so much about someone after a couple of rounds of fighting and uh and that's what i love about it you get a real insight into someone even more so when you compete then afterwards that's why everyone hugs you can't help but respect the person that's got in there went through the same things as you have and you both know what's went on in there and it's like it's a real it's a real like nice process do you think that's partially also because you're you're kind of breaking down the you're stripping away all the social norms and and engaging in like the kind of violence that wouldn't be acceptable except (laughs) within the confines of either a gym or a ring like you're stripping away all the 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 niceties of of society that that we've kind of like you know yeah yeah i mean definitely something about it's quite primal like that's just that real fight you know response like fight flight response whatever and you're you're in there and you're competing and it's it's definitely outside outside the norm and uh yeah again you know, there's a lot of stuff as I said, the norm, like I said, skydiving, bungee jumping. You're not meant to do that shit. No. But, you know, there's always things that make you feel alive. And that's one of the things. You're you're elevated above the norm when you're in there and you're competing. And that's that's a great uh, liberating feeling. So when did you then start to move towards coaching? Like, when did you decide you wanted to start like, yeah. imparting your knowledge upon upon other people? Um. So after I won the Bama title, I uh, I went off um soon after to team alpha meal in california with uriah faber and uh some of the top ufc guys and did a great training camp out there and was all set to come back in the summer and defend my title uh when i came back well the money that i had won from bama um i used to get myself out there and pay for everything with the expectation i'll come home i'll, I'll compete and i'll fight and then sure that money will will keep me afloat uh i got injured uh, fight got cancelled fight got moved to like november no money in the bank no nothing right <laughs> like what i do uh i can go back maybe do a bit of personal training or something and i suppose I have a little bit of ego out in the way but i was like no look i've i've just won a world title i'm just back from training with all the ufc guys i'm on top of my game here i'm world-class athlete like why am i kind of working say you know uh 
minimum wage at the time um, or what am I, you know, why am I doing that? I've got these these skills. I'll, I'll, why am I not teaching this? So it was helping my fiance, uh, Stacy as well. She kind of said, look, you need to, you need to teach, um, share that, those skills. And there's a big call out in the hometown in Nars. There was no mixed martial arts anywhere around here. So the time kind of seemed to coincide. Um, and I set up my first, my first club out of a leisure center and started in a small room and, uh, and just started teaching out of there. And it just kind of started to grow. And I told everyone in there at the start, you know, it's a small room, small, whatever, but this will build one day. I'm going to have this, this gym, um, it's going to be epic, you know, massive, blah, blah, blah. And we'll make it work and, uh, it'll happen. Um, and it was in the same way I thought one, you know, years ago about, oh, I'll be professional mixed martial artist. I'll be world champion. I'll be UFC, whatever. And then when it actually happens, you're like, all oh, right, you know, what else is possible? So when I said about the club, I knew it was, and then here we are today and I've, I've got the, the gym of my dreams and I get to share this as well with, uh, from a good friend and, and one of my best training partners. Um, loads of pictures up here actually of, of the two of us, but Arnold DeSantos, um, two of us teamed up then and we got this facility and uh, we run it together and um, it's uh, definitely a dream come true. We couldn't um, ask for having a better person to run it with, you know, so uh, everything just coincides, right? And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of the, the start of the teaching and, and running the club. Had you always maybe thought that you'd go into teaching or was it something you just sort of came to yeah, sort of I mean, like at that moment? No, I mean, again, the thing about, again, I was, when I was on that kind of journey of like self-development, self-improvement, you know, understanding that if anything in the world, if you enjoy it enough, um, if you enjoy it enough that uh, someone else will enjoy it out there and then you can just share that skill then with them and there will always be people that are wanting to learn. So retirement or whatever day I comes, I can still teach and, and pass on my skills. So what is it that you, you find you really enjoy about, about teaching? Like what, what, what do you get out of it? What's your, your favorite part of it? Uh, I suppose it's, you don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> no, I, no, I say I do. I love it. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, you get forced then to learn um, and study MMA every day. And that was the thing. When you're a full-time fighter, you can't be training every single minute of every single day and then you're off time and in theory yes you wake up and you just study mma for two hours and take notes and and then go to the gym and come back and do it again and again it's very hard to have that self-discipline you might do it but you know i find it very difficult to maintain that when there was no one over my shoulder telling me you know you need to sit down and study this and study that when you're teaching a class you need to be up to scratch with the techniques you're about to teach and you're forced then to go wake up right okay let's go over the class routine of the techniques I'm teaching today. And it makes you accountable to then learn it. So I'm learning more and I'm teaching more and I'm becoming be a better mixed martial artist from that. Um, but to be able to uh, see the the progression of students and to see the enthusiasm of students, the same enthusiasm that got me into the sport and to nurture that and to see that, see people, like I said, progress is just, it's a great feeling. And uh, like I said, Joe, I just walked in there. You know, I, I took him into a leisure center and he's 15, 16. Mm. Uh, and he's now going into an absolute machine. <laughs> and he's a, he's a beast. And uh, now he's, he's giving me some serious trouble in sparring. Okay. And, you know, that's for me, that's like, you know, crazy. Like I can get, like he's been able, there's a lot of factors, not all the people um, that came together along with him and his drive to get to where he's at. But um, to see that is just amazing. And definitely very proud to, to be able to be a part of that and to, to see that knowledge be shared to him and then for him to use that and uh, get the way he is today. So how did you meet your your training partner and, and, and business partner? Well, Arno uh, was at that original gym with, with me in Belfast. Okay, so, he did he take the class or he helped no, you? No, he, he was one of the training partners and the okay. two of us are the same size. So we're both really short guys and the same kind of chip on our shoulder, um, small man syndrome. And uh, yeah, we just then became straight away great training partners like some serious fun sparring rounds and uh yeah i mean that was a like great training partners and friends from then and then yeah 10 11 years later we've we went off and uh we've been away together to ukraine and um and well oh the show elite corner we had quite a few fights and uh yeah like that's that's been a good friendship and like i said training partners and um then and that led into an opportunity to get to get a gym together um so it's it's worked out perfect and like i said because we know each other so well and not just 
in a friendship type of way, but because of that that fighter mentality of sharing the rounds with each other and, and training with each other, you can re- you really know a character. And the two of us know each other so well inside out that we know it's the right fit. And the two of us have, have been able to to build this place into what it is now. Yeah, it's got to be. Where do you think the you mentioned you'd been to Kazakhstan <laughs> to to fight? Where, where is that? Is that the strangest place you've ever? Or, or yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been some crazy places, but that that I wrote my goals down a long time ago. Um, I had a mental kind of uh, kind of sport coach, um, motivational coach, uh, Norik uh, Kasharian, and uh, Norik told me originally the first thing: write down all your goals and what you want to achieve and stuff. And one of it was to be a world champion, travel the world and compete. And then I started to do that. And it was just some countries I have never go to Kazakhstan. I'd never really go to, you know, to Kiev and like all these these countries. And uh Kazakhstan was just crazy. I was expecting it to look like something out of, you know, Borat movie. <laughs> and uh it was just the most mad adventure. But when we got into the capital of Astana, it was like a utopia. It was like insane. Like my way in was in this huge shopping mall with a roller coaster and a T-Rex and <laughs> all this crazy what? shit. Yeah. Um, and I actually went out with Reese McKee at the time. He Reese just got signed to the UFC there. Uh, and Reese and, and me were just uh we just couldn't get over the place. It was just it was nuts. Um but just so much more advanced than than here or anywhere else in Europe. And again, I think a lot of people here assume out Eastern Europe or all these mad countries, the they're kind of behind us or something, but they had they had it down like, you know, it was it was epic. But I would never have been there, you know, if it wasn't for the sport. So very, very cool. And there's never going to be something like that you regret, you know. The the idea of of, of really like visualizing and, and and setting all your goals is is something that pe- people mm-hmm. people like think I'm really insane if I tell them that like it actually works. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's because it sounds too too simple. Um, a thing to get such good results. And so it's ignored, but you have, but that's, that's the thing. It's like, there's a lot of things that sound simple or come across as, but are the most effective and doing a, like a visual walkthrough of something and then going through the physical walkthrough that your mind is, once you understand your mind, understand it's very difficult for it to know the difference between, um, what it imagines or, or, or thinks in its head. And then what you actually do in, in reality is, is, uh, is so, so, um, amazing. Um, so I, I'll do uh, a walkthrough for a fight. I'll I'll picture walking out in the arena, the crowd. Um, I'll picture um, you know getting into the cage, touching gloves, competing. But it's how you do it. So people can just yeah, I'll visualize that. You have to make it real. You have to picture and imagine the smells, all five senses. That you know taste, like sound, everything, and make it as real as possible. You know, close your eyes, walk around, go through the physical motions of moving around, high five in the crowd all this stuff and you replay that and the beauty is you, you can do it anywhere anytime you do it a hundred times in a row it comes the actual night you've been there before you've done this you've actually already won the fight so when you're walking out you've got this in the back of your head that oh yeah no i, I remember being here before i remember going out i remember winning the fight so i'm just going to go out and do that i'm just going to go through the motions that I've, I've set out in my head so very very powerful process yeah it definitely has to be i mean i I I find that I was I'd, I'd written down like all, every year just my goals for the year and then I find this uh, this uh, most of them end up coming true just I I don't know if it was because I set low a low barrier to success or yeah um, and then I came across this professor who uh, was given an interview with Tim Ferriss and she mm. just talked about how every year the first thing she did with her, her university students was get them to write like their day. 10 years from now and she says that every single year without fail she gets calls and letters and messages from from the the class of 10 years ago yeah going oh my god how did you know this was exactly how my (laughs) life was how how did you how did you know that this was gonna work that you were gonna you know tell me exactly how my life was gonna turn out it's it's such a powerful tool and i guess people i mean really don't don't realize how how powerful it, it can be yeah uh, I mean, that's the thing. If you don't know what you're looking for, it's going to be very hard to get. Um, writing down a hundred of the things you want to achieve in your lifetime. Um, the people have done that, something like 70% of them have achieved like over 60 or 70 or 80 of those points. When Say, for example, I climbed Kilimanjaro. Now, 
if I was, I said, right, I want to want a challenge. I want to do something crazy for charity. I want to blah, blah, blah. And you're walking down the street and you see a sign, climb Kilimanjaro for Marie Curie, raised. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. I wanted to do something like that. Okay, I'll sign up. But if you've never stopped to go, what do I want to achieve here? Then you've not asked that question. You've not got an answer. So you're not out looking for that. So you would just walk past that sign and not think anything else of it. So just by writing down what you actually want means that your unconscious knows what it's looking for. And it's, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's the simple simplicity of it. But like I said, you know, I just encourage anyone just to sit down and write down what they want. Once they know what they want, it's going to be easier to find it. Um, but then that comes down to self-discipline and when are you going to do this? You know, write down when you're going to do it, keep yourself accountable. What happens if you don't do it? Um, things like that. So this is where having someone that can say, look, two of us are going to have a chat about your goals and stuff uh tuesday at like 3 p.m then it's going to make you sit down and do it so that's where if you can't do it yourself tell your friend your best friend two of us just want to meet up at whatever time and we'll just write down your you know goals or something like that you know two of us will just do that and say yep and then both of you are, are going to sit down and make sure it happens you know figure out a way of doing it you know your your friend or partner whoever just try and get something to keep you accountable for your goals yeah I mean, it's, it can't be that difficult to find someone to to help you talk about your future with. I mean, if you're if you're struggling for that, then yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that there's there's always someone who will. Yeah. Um, but then, what was the last thing? The next thing I wanted to talk to you about. I keep blanking. I keep looking at it, and then <laughs> this is also why podcasts break because I can just blank on what I want to ask you about. And then, Mental health. That is exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a there's, lot. Yeah, there's a lot you could get to be said about MMA and, and mental health and martial arts in general. And uh, saying you're saying kind of before almost about the type of people that might do well or type of people MMA might attract. And a lot of people that are MMA fighters go against what an average person might assume. Um, most MMA fighters are very quiet, reserved, um, very friendly, very nice people, but very soft spoken. You know. Um, that's what a lot of fans get surprised by. They meet, they meet people, um, they're, they're their favorite fighters, and they're so quiet, humble, soft-spoken. Like, but you're an absolute killer. You're an absolute machine. It's like, yeah, but that that's the thing. It's like they have an avenue to express their, you know, pent-up emotion or aggression or whatever. They, they can take that out, and they've got a positive outlet for that. They're letting that out, and uh, the rest of the time, then, they've got it controlled. It's the ones that have maybe some a bad day at work and they pent it up. They don't have a way to express that. And then that bottles over and overflows when they maybe have a few drinks or they just they can't take it anymore. And then it just blows up and or it, it implodes. And uh, this is where you need an outlet. You need a form of catharsis to get rid of the aggression, um, whether that's running, cycling, some sort of workout. But with something like martial arts or whatever, you can actually physically hit a bag or hit something. And that is what people... That again, that primal kind of feeling of just like letting the emotions out. And as you do that, you're also learning, developing a skill and controlling your own emotions. And that's where I was saying about intrinsically, you want to focus on developing yourself as a person, learning how to all the virtues of, you know, respect, integrity, discipline, all that. You need those to be successful in the sport. That's only going to help out the rest of your life if you've got those those characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where a lot of people have a lot of internal things of, me, myself, you know, very, very quiet, very reserved, very shy, growing up, very insecure. Um, and yeah, like I would, I would never take out, if I was, you know, kind of getting raked in school and people kind of messing with me and stuff, I wouldn't, I would never like kind of hit them out of anger and thing, but I would just be really annoyed and I would pent it up and get annoyed. And then later on, I would take it out in the punch bag, you know, and uh, a lot of stuff I would internalize. And you know, you know, they're you're too nice to actually do anything about it. And a lot of it is that kind of nice guy type of thing. And um, there's a lot of guys that are kind of like that, and they'll take it out in themselves and be very hard on themselves and beat themselves up. And uh, it's only then from having somewhere to to really express that. And for me, it took competing to really bring out my best of myself. Um, that it that it allowed me to kind of, you know, get the confidence out, you know, up and and really go on that progression of of like development and uh kind of come out the other side to really you know uh see what i'm made of and have that real sense of self-esteem and um yeah that that's that's what i find a lot of people have is you know they come with that internal you know tough you know it's very hard themselves and they need something to to give them that internal validation and you know i think mma is a great thing for that 
So have you seen that kind of transformation in, say, any of your students where the, you know, or where perhaps, like you say that, that they, people will often meet their, their MMA heroes or UFC yeah. heroes and that they, they're surprised by how mm-hmm. maybe zen they are or just, like you say, yeah, quietly confident, yeah. just very... Well, that's, I mean, if you think about it, you, you fight three times a year, maybe. So three out of 365 days, they're in there competing. Yeah. The rest they're of the days... mostly peaceful. Yeah, the rest of the day, exactly. That's... <laughs> And uh, it kind of goes that quote, you're better being a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, having, you've got that power and ability, you're, you know, you've got, you're able to to fight and you know how to look after yourself. So you've nothing to prove, you know, chip in your shoulder. So you're walking down the street and someone pushes you and wants to fight. It's like, don't be shit with, like, you know, <laughs> and the confidence that you exert instantly, the guy's like, yeah, why is he so confident? You know, um, doesn't sound like a good idea. I'll, I'll try and back out of it now, you know. Whereas if you show weakness or you show, oh, no, I don't want to fight, I don't want to fight, you're giving him what he wants. So you learn to fight so you don't need to fight. And that's what people don't understand either. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest points. I think it's Nero. If you want peace, prepare for war. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's always the habit. Just you don't want to use it, but it's there. So yeah, have you seen have you seen like that? Maybe that happened where in a, in a student where they've maybe been quite either bullshy and and quite like loud and then yeah. having practiced that they've become like more sort of i don't know reserved and quietly confident instead of being very uh, yeah i mean or, like or perhaps the opposite way where someone's been very shy and more, really more come out so, yeah their shell. say more so the opposite way that people are very quiet reserved they're in a class and they don't know anyone and like they, they don't have any skills yet and they don't know what to do and they're very wary but as that builds all of a sudden they're 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 great like it brings out so much confidence in you because you're able to actually hold your own in like, you know, in a spar or, you know, in an understanding technique. And it gives you such confidence walking around. And again, there's a lot of students and stuff that I would train and you can see that in them. And even the way they stand and look and walk around, their chest is up, their chin's up and just feel better about themselves. And it's having that internal confidence and uh, it really helps to build that, you know, with the sport. Very few of the people in the sport you know, do it just for competition. They do it mainly for all those benefits. And uh, that's the only thing I want to say is like, sometimes people just want to compete. But again, if you're not, if you're competing for the wrong reasons and you go in underprepared, not ready for it, and you get beaten badly in, in your first fight, it can put you down very badly into a real, a real hole, to be honest. And like, you know, it can lead very easily to depression and things like that. And uh, depression is a huge thing with fighters. And it's very difficult to have an identity as a real tough, you know, tough badass and you're like, you know, the best in the world and then you get knocked out cold and you're like, am I the best in the world? What if I'm really bad? What if that happens again? Everyone's going to look at me. I'm going to be so embarrassed. How can I tell my kids I've been knocked out? How can, they're going to see this. They're going to laugh at me. You know, all this stuff goes through your head and this, and this narrative just constantly plays and that's the type of shit that leads to real serious issues. So that's where you see some guys in the UFC being knocked out and they come back and they win by knockout and to do that looks like they don't, people aren't appreciating how much that took maybe. And that's why you have, I love the sport because you get people that go through that journey of like what they manage to control there, not not to let those thoughts get in their head or to see the, the battle those thoughts and come out the other side. So that's where, you you know, there's so much to, to the sport. And uh, yeah, so it's just if you're competing to be aware that there's dangers, make sure your mind is tough and you're willingly going to accept if something happens and you do lose you'll be okay about it, you know, you'll brush it off and you'll move on. And it's about the process and the performance, not a win or loss at the end of the day. How did you find it um, when you uh, were, when you when you had your, your title, your world uh, mm-hmm. flyweight, you said, yeah. world title. And, and then at some point you, you kind of have to accept that you're maybe past your peak or past your prime. Yeah. Or, for example, in the... In the case of Tyson Fury, yeah. I know he has once he'd become world champion, then he, yeah. he had a huge, a huge problems. He just yeah. didn't didn't know where to go. Like, like, do you do you see that often in MMA or maybe just in yourself, where yeah, there was there was trouble once you yeah. once you'd hit those like I I was the greatest in the world and having to accept that that's maybe not the case yeah. anymore. Yeah, no, for no, for sure, Josh. Like the the world title was was great, and uh, I was aware though that. Um, it was important to, when you're on a platform like that to plant as many seeds as possible. Like I was in a great position then. People were going to listen to what I had to say so I could get like, good messages. So I went to my old primary school. I did talks. I did like motivational speeches. I did like everything I could to reinvest with everyone when I had that position. 
because I knew it might not last forever. Um, I was trying my best not to allow it to get to my head to be, you know, this next big guy that's going to be in the UFC and all the rest of it. But easier said than done. I mean, you get so much confidence about you, it can really, um, it can impact your performance. I, I went into my title, title defense it just to, not cocky, but just, I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this. And not bringing enough hunger to go, you know, to really have a drive at a high when I was fighting for it. And they say the wolf coming up the hill is always hungrier than the one at the top. And that's what I didn't bring into practice. So that, you know, in, impacted the performance that night. And uh, I lost the title that night. And, you know, I kind of went on a bad run. And I've lost the last few. But difference being my mentality now is I'm I'm at peace with that. That's okay. That's okay. Like, there's things I learned from every performance. And it'll push me in a different direction. I'll continue to improve. My story is going to be more powerful now because after losses now, I'm going to come back and win and come up again. And people are going to go, wow, you know what? Even if I lose a few in a row, I can come back and I can I can do this because he's done that. And that's where there's always a something you can take from it, where it's a loss or anything. You can always be the first one or someone that can still be an inspiration to other people. And that's a motivator, you know, and, and that's I'm a I'm total peace with it. It's just the way the sport goes. And I've described it as snakes and ladders, you know, you, you're going up, you're doing great. You just take a wrong step and you're right back down to start again. And that's how the sport, the sport goes. When's your next fight? Well, I mean, with the whole COVID thing, it's been tricky. Um, I've been gearing myself up to go again. I wanted, I wanted three originally by the end of this year. The way things have worked, um, you know, it's been more and more lockdowns and more issues, but I'm still hopeful something will come up. Um, I've had some niggles, some wee injuries, and with those and no fight up in line, it's kind of made things difficult to to push through a training camp, so to speak, when I know there's may, maybe not a chance of a fight and I've got this niggle and I might make it worse and is it smart to, uh, to push through that at the moment or to take my time and just... The problem is, or the, the thing is, now, I don't have the same pressures on my shoulders now. I'm not letting go. I'm letting go of, I need to have this many fights by this age. I need to have this and that. There's no time restricted things for me now. It's it'll go. I'll have a fight when it's the right time, and it'll feel right to me. So, um, I'm just gonna heal up these nickels. Um, I already feel mentally sharp, technically good. Uh, boost the fitness up a little bit, and I'll I'll be good to go. You know, um, that's the thing about the lockdown though. It's very easy to to go off and, and have some takeaways and, and just enjoy um, the conference a bit too much. But yeah. uh, I'm five minutes from my gym, luckily, so I can come down and, and train and uh, and keep myself accountable. But uh, yeah, it's, it's very easy to get, to get takeaways at a time like this, you know. So what did you make of the Khabib Gagey fight? Wow, yeah, I mean, very emotional, very kind of, a lot a lot of respect, a huge respect for both guys and uh, Khabib did a phenomenal job. I'm just getting more and more impressed uh, by what I'm hearing now. I've, you know, he had a broken foot. Apparently he had told Cormier that he was going to um, submit him the way he did. And it was all pre-planned and, that's why he wanted to do it. And he didn't want to break his arm in front of THG's like family or something and all this craziness. And uh, he did it. And he's definitely, you know, the most dominant uh, I think we've ever really seen and no damage taken. There's a lot of guys that are dominant, Anderson Silva, you know, John Jones and stuff, but a lot of it, you know, injuries and stuff can happen. Um, there's more kind of risks involved with the striking game, but he's, he's really just kind of taking them down and mauled them every time. So he's not taking much damage. He's been dominant in every fight. He's won them all and he's 32 and he's retired. So get in, you know, get the accomplishment and get out and your body's good, your mind's good and everything's in place. So he's done perfect that way. And I'm so sad about his dad and the to be able to kind of honor him and come back and, and win that for him was was just really nice to see. And the way Gaethje, you know, went over and whispered to him, you know, your dad would be proud and all this stuff. It really brings a tear to your eye and, uh, Again, that just shows you the, the sport um, and what the fighters are made of and stuff and, and how much love and respect there is for each other. Yeah, there was clearly a serious release of emotion when that guy yeah. finished. Like yeah. when he was just like you sobbing on yeah. the ground after the fight. Like yeah. you felt like that was just everything that had been mm-hmm. pent up. And, but- and that that's the thing is to connect with uh, just the story of, of the fighters and the emotions they're going through. And that's where a lot of people watch it for things like that and what they're fighting for and like all that, not just the violence. Like that's a very small percentage of people just watch it for that. It's for the, what are they fighting for? He's fighting for his dad. You're like, oh, I want him, you know, I want him to win, you know, for, for his dad, make his dad proud, his dad coached him his whole life. And 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 that's, 
his motivator there. You know, it's not, I want to hurt this guy and I want to be violent. It's, I want to perform and show this amazing skill that my dad taught me. And when you view it like that, it's a totally different, different way, you know? Yeah, it's not, it's not blood no. sacrifice in this, in this dad's name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's just, it's how you look at the sport sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a great fight. Do you think how quickly it was over makes McGregor's performance look better? Like against Khabib? Um, yeah, I mean, it, did, it just it, it really just felt like me watching it like uh, mm. that that Khabib was just he was trying to beat him standing up, mm. realized he couldn't, and was just like "fuck it, we're done, we're out," just and and yeah. just finished it when he wanted to finish it. Yeah. Whereas I, I felt like I don't know, I still feel like McGregor could have done better if he trained properly, but yeah, just, just stylistically too, it's a tricky matchup for him. You know, um, I did think Gaethje was was going to do a bit more of his wrestling, even shoot on Khabib. But this is the problem, you know, when you're watching, you're like, he should have done this, he should have done that. You don't know what the guy's going through the guy's head in there. And it's very easy to, to think, you know, he should have done this, but it's whatever way he felt in there. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And that's, that's the way sport goes. Yeah, you you know? could say the guy's the second best in that division in the entire, so the second yeah. best in that weight class in the entire world. Yeah. Like his decision-making probably isn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You look at his last fight and he was just spectacular. And uh, yeah, it just it depends who you're fighting and uh, just depends on your decision making in that moment in time. It's, it's very hard to perform 100% your best on that dedicated time and space and day. I mean, you wake up sometimes, you just don't feel if you're ever lethargic that day and you're like, oh, don't I feel too hot? And it's like, oh yeah, so I have to go and get my best performance ever tonight at 7 p.m. And you have to have that, like, I mean, to be able to switch that on and off, that's that's the thing. That's why it's difficult. It's very easy to be sitting at home with a coffee, watching motivational videos, getting pumped up, getting pumped up, and then go out for, for a really hard session. And, you know, we're, no one's there to, you know, to criticize you. No one's going to know anything. You can you can mess up, it won't matter. Like, so it's easy to get a good performance that night, but not not a specific time and date, you know, that's, that's given to you and you have to just perform, you know, so... Yeah, a lot of factors, yeah. So who's the GOAT? Is it John Jones? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky. I would, <laughs> I, I always like, I would say George St. Pierre, uh, but that's, I mean, that's a number of biases and stuff, but I do think because he's, the way he carries himself, the way he came back after years off and came and moved up with division and fought the champ and won and finished them, I thought that was just the best ever. Um, very well-rounded, um hasn't again hasn't taken much damage has done fantastic john jones is is more yeah he's exceptionally good as well um but i think with everything else going on when you say goat in terms of just performance you term you know the best fighter all-round fighter and as a fighter you should probably be not on <laughs> taking a performance enhancers so uh, maybe not no yeah so i think you know just that for outside of sport and, and things like that it's that does take away and tarnish him massively um, and impacts his legacy that way, which is a real, real shame. But he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it's a matter of time before he, I imagine he, he will get a loss, but people will be ready just to walk for, away from him at that point. Um, but no, he's done He's done phenomenal. So yeah, I would say GSP just because he's not really messed up in anything like that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's done fantastic that way. And he's came back from adversity and because Jones hasn't come back from adversity, I think for that reason, it's very hard to say as well that he's he's the best, you know. So what's the what's the future hold for for hybrid MMA? Um, so for hybrid MMA, we want to keep building and growing it, and uh, and develop the new breed of uh, top kind of athletes and fighters in the world. And I mean, like I said, we've only been operating take COVID out of it, only really been run for eight months, and you know we've we've built the place, and we're so proud of it, and. Uh, I mean, we've just added to it. We've got um, our own kind of hybrid clothing now. We've got, just got in hybrid MMA gloves and everything and hitting a lot of niches that other gyms don't have. We just want to be different and uh, and really kind of represent the sport in a good way. And that's why it's not a lot of, you know, reds and fighter kind of, you know, colors and like real out aggression. If you come in, it feels like it's, you know, it's a more peaceful self-development center for like improving athletes and skills. And like, you know, it's that's what I want to get across, self-development and, uh, you know, learning that kind of going on that journey of, of just improving yourself daily and, and that's what we want the gym to stand for. And um, you know, like I said, it's it's not well, I mean, there's the quote there I've got up from Dan Gable actually and 
gold medals aren't, aren't really made of gold. They're made of sweat, determination, and a hard-to-find alloy called guts. And, uh, yeah, it's just developing the, the right kind of virtues and characteristics in people in here because that'll help in everyday life. And it's not just about their, their competition, but um, how they've developed as, as people as well. So, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's the goals for hybrid, you know, and, um, you know, myself continue to develop the career, you know, get back on track with things and it'll it'll fall into place I'm sure at the right time. But I've I've still got the the eyes on the the gold and getting getting into the UFC and you know, thirty one. So I know I can there's guys fighting in their late forties. I don't plan to fight for that long, but you know, even five, six years, there's a lot you can accomplish. Um and even in, in the space of six months you can get three fights. So you can change your whole life around very quickly in the sport and that's why again I'm very very positive about it and uh i know the way what i'm capable of on you know the mindset and stuff so again it gives me sets of peace and i'll be able to turn it around get back up getting our title added to the wall and uh yeah and, and keep growing that way so it's all part of it well that's that's a nice place to end it andy <laughs> um thanks very much no thank you very much josh Cheers. thanks so much for listening If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. Until next time, thanks for listening.